Hello. Thanks for joining us. I pray that the Lord will use your time watching our service today in a way that will help you grow in your love for Him and your appreciation for If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn in them with me to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, which is page number 857 in your pew Bibles. And while you're turning there, the children ages 3 to 8 are free to be dismissed for the children's Bible lesson with this morning, I believe, Miss Liz Twitty and Miss Marcia Turnock. <clears throat> this Advent season, I'm preaching a sort of mini-series on the four characteristics or, or virtues or fruits of the Holy Spirit, however you might want to say it, that are represented in the four Advent candles. Hope, love, joy, and peace. And so we've looked thus far at, at hope and love. And this morning we're looking at joy. Now it'll be hopefully a, a more brief sermon. We have a communion before us. And I've, the last couple of weeks I think I've cut into our Sunday school class teachers. So I'll try to be brief this morning and, and get you on to Sunday school following. But this passage that we're going to look at, it's a, it's a brief passage. We'll just look at verses 8 through 11 and from Luke chapter 2. It's a familiar one. It's actually already been read even this morning. Uh, Caesar Augustus, just to give you the context, has issued a decree uh, for the census. And so Joseph and Mary go to Bethlehem. And while they are in Bethlehem, Jesus is born. And that's where we pick up in verse 8. If you're able, please stand for the reading of God's holy word. Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 11. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled, filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior." who is Christ the Lord. This is God's Word. Thanks be to God. Lord, would you please, during these few moments together, open our eyes that we might behold wonderful things from this, your Word. Through Jesus we pray. Amen. You may be seated. When I was growing up, my parents would often refer to the opening of presents and, and things like that around Christmas, they would, they would say, they would call it doing Christmas or having Christmas. Um, you all know me well by now. Words matter. And, uh, and I don't like those words. <laughs> I prefer a better use of words in thinking about Christmas. I believe that we should say celebrate Christmas. I mean, if anybody did Christmas, it would be the Lord Jesus um, in, in his incarnation. He, 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 he's the one who behind Christmas. And so what we do is we celebrate Christmas. And again, I just think it's more accurate. But also, the idea of celebrating carries with it. It hints at really what we all have during this particular time of year and Constantly, if we're Christians, as we think about the Lord Jesus, it hints at joy. It hints at rejoicing. It, it, 
It hints at being thrilled and elated with what God has done. Joy truly is a key attribute of Christmas. I mean, just this week in the mail, you know, it's the time of year, end of the year things you get in the mail where ministries that maybe you've given some money to send you a report. And then, of course, they're asking for end of the year um, donations and so forth. And so the one from Desiring God that I got this week, it's got here, you know, behold, good news, great joy. All peoples, the one from Brother Brian Mission which is, of course, the ministry that we support as a church on the, on the envelope cover. Share the joy this season. We have so many Christmas hymns about joy that probably to some of your frustration to this point, we didn't even yet sing this morning, Joy to the World, which we're saving for Christmas morning in a couple of weeks. Joy is a key attribute of what it means to be a Christian it's a key topic upon which we want to focus and during this Christmas season. And it's something that we hope to see in our lives on a daily basis. So let me try to answer three questions about joy. First of all, what is joy? In this passage, verse 10, again, I bring you good news of great joy. Now, I want to give you a couple of definitions. And first, I want to try to contrast happiness with joy. And that's because I think many people, many times, we end up thinking that happiness and joy are the same thing. But let me just say it this way. Joy is the current underneath. Happiness is the foam on top. You know, when you, you've been to the ocean or you've been up close to a river and, and the, the waters are rushing or, or at the beach, certainly depending on certain times of the year and the chemicals that are in the water and so forth, there, there might be um, a lot of foam or a little, little bit of foam, but as the air mixes with the water, um, and, then, and again, of course, with, depending on various chemicals that might be present, you, you have a lot of foam. But that foam has no staying power. It lacks substance. I mean, it's what you see, it's very clear there, but the power is beneath it. It's in the current, it's, it's underneath that foam. And that's the way joy is. Joy is powerful. Joy is long-lasting. Joy is not always seen necessarily because it's very different from being excited or being elated. Like I said, sometimes it might even look just, just like the opposite of that excitement or elation. The Greek word is karan, and it, and it really kind of hints at the idea of a calm delight. It's very different from the loud uproar of excitement that if you're an Auburn fan, you experienced at the kick six a few years back, or if you're an Alabama fan that you experienced... In the overtime game, second and 26 when they beat Georgia for the national championship. So you've experienced some of that, you know, excitement. Joy is different from that. It's, it is a deep satisfaction in the will of God. Again, it's, it's the current underneath. Whereas happiness is just the foam on top. I think that because... Joy is just that, uh, a very deep satisfaction in the will of God. The phrase that we, we, we can properly use the phrase tears of joy. You know, you've heard that before. You've said it before. You've 
cried tears of joy, perhaps. And I think the phrase tears of joy works because joy doesn't necessarily mean that you're a cheerleader. You know, the phrase tears of joy works because joy, it doesn't mean that you have to have that excitement like the narrator on the car dealership commercials <laughs> where they're loud and obnoxious and telling you what a great deal you can get at this particular time, whatever is going on at this dealership. Joy is this deep, calm, powerful undercurrent. Whereas this sort of happiness is just the foam on top or, or excitement over the football game, whatever, is just sort of the foam that's on top. Joy is the current underneath. And then second, my second sort of, sort of angle at the definition here is joy is a sense of relief in the will of God. So it's not only a satisfaction in the will of God, but it's a sense of relief in the will of God. It, it's knowing God, knowing that He's in control, knowing that He's good. And therefore joy, it pushes out it doesn't, it doesn't leave room for grumpiness and anxiety and fear. Joy doesn't allow you to continue living a life where you're murmuring. Joy doesn't allow you to continue to live a life of despair. Because joy is a sense of relief in the will of God as well as it being this strong undercurrent compared to just sort of the foam on top. Question number two. What undercuts joy? What takes it away? Or what keeps you from really experiencing joy? And I'll mention just two things. We certainly could spend a long time talking about the things that undercut joy, but I'll just mention two. One that we see here would be fear. Verse 9, An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And in one sense, that's certainly proper. It's certainly right that when you have an encounter with the Lord, heavenly beings, uh, we should be sort of shaking in our boots. Uh, that If you're not, then something's, something's wrong. But of course, what they're told is to fear not. Because fear robs us of joy. When you're afraid, all, the, all you can really think about are the negative consequences or experiences that are about to come your way. In other words, if what consumes your mind are thoughts about negative experiences that are that are awaiting you, you're you're a fearful person if that's what consumes your thinking and you will also be lacking joy. But joy is what drives you. Joy keeps you going when you want to succumb to the paralysis that oftentimes accompanies fear. A couple of years ago, I was in Homewood one evening uh, at night, and I stopped at a red light, and it turned green. And as soon as it turned green, the car behind me, uh, it had these blue lights on the top of it, and they started up. I didn't notice it when I, you know, when the car pulled in behind me, I didn't think anything think of it. I didn't notice any blue lights or anything like that. So I just took off and then, as, but as soon as I started, you know, the blue lights cranked up. And so I pulled over into a business, the parking lot there, you know, and I'm running through. I'm thinking, all right, did I, was I speeding? Not, probably, but not much, maybe, you know, 
Yeah, I probably rolled through that stop sign back there, but I don't think anybody was. I don't think anybody saw that. You know, was, and that's what I'm thinking. Oh, please, please be Philip Simon. Just you know, maybe, maybe it's just a joke. And so I pull over and and I do all the things you're supposed to do. I, roll, I turn my car off. I roll the windows down. I put both hands on the steering wheel, and I'm looking in the rearview mirror to see who's coming, hoping it's Philip Simon. And I'm looking and looking and looking and no, nothing's happening. I'm waiting. And finally, on the passenger side, I hear, and I look over and there's a huge, smiling Philip Simon. <laughs> and he had, he saw my, he pulled up behind me and saw, he said, he said, I thought that was Pastor Brock's car. So he runs my tag and sure enough, it's me. And we had a good laugh and everything. But you know, while I was waiting, before I saw that smiling face, I'm thinking, well, what, did I, what did I do? You know, how much is this ticket going to cost? I mean, there's all this fear that accompanies you. That's what fear does. It robs us of joy. In this case, seeing a friendly face, you know, brought some relief, some appreciated relief. You know, one of the things that no doubt all of us experience at various times is just it's just fearfulness. And so I have a homework assignment for you. I want you to go home and jot down the things you fear. Make a list. What are the things that I'm afraid of? What are the things that I fear? And then I want you to compare that or jot down some truths from the Scriptures that should govern your thinking, trump those fears. I want you to superimpose over those fears the Word of God to combat those fears with truth that you might be full of joy. That's the first thing that undercuts joy is fear. Second, and this is not necessarily from this passage, but it was, it is from a passage that was read uh, just earlier. Uh, number two, what undercuts joy? Not abiding in Christ. Not abiding in Christ. Uh, when I was preparing this sermon this week, I couldn't, ha- I couldn't stop thinking about John chapter 15, where we read Jesus' words, beginning in verse 10. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you. Jesus said, I have spoken these things to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Jesus wants your joy to be full. He wants you to be overflowing with joy. He's not a Scrooge. He's not stingy. He's not a Grinch who thinks that um, joy is a zero-sum game. A zero-sum game means that if somebody has something, then that means somebody else doesn't have something. No, that's not the way it works. He wants you and me glad, deeply satisfied, full of joy. And there's a direct correlation we see in this passage between obedience, abiding in Christ, and joy. As we obey, we abide in Christ. As we abide in Christ, our joy fills out. It's really that clear. It's simple. It's not easy, but it's simple. Fear undercuts joy. 
not abiding in Christ undercuts joy. And notice something that I've not said about joy. I've not mentioned at all circumstances. And the joy is not dependent upon our circumstances. I read an article this week about the, I think it's called the Respect for Marriage Act, which personally I have concerns about, but this is kind of a different story. But I, I learned that a Washington Post columnist, a guy named Jonathan Capehart, said in the column that, that he supports the bill, but admitted that the more closely he looked at it, quote, the more my joy diminishes. <clears throat> you know, if our joy is dependent upon which laws are passed in Washington, D.C. or Montgomery, then we are going to be in a world of hurt. You know, we've all met people with who have serious health issues who are full of joy because it is very possible to be joyful despite difficult circumstances. As we abide in Christ, we're able to see our joy fill out as we let the truth from Scripture trump our fears, then joy again comes out in full form. And then number three, <clears throat> what produces joy? I'm going to give you two points. Both of them are just a single word. First of all, it's the word Savior. Knowing that we have a Savior, knowing that we have a Deliverer, a Rescuer, a Redeemer produces great joy. Verse 11 in this passage, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a political leader, a really nice guy. No, it says, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And from what are we delivered? The wrath of God that is due to us for our sin. I mean, I just asked Barry this morning when he joined the church, the very first membership vow, the question that we ask everyone, many of you who are, are members have answered the question, do you acknowledge yourself to be a sinner in the sight of God, justly deserving His displeasure, and without any hope except for His sovereign mercy? Do you? Just this week I heard of a phrase that was attributed to uh, Pastor John MacArthur, who's a pastor of a church in California, and he's purported to have said, God is offering forgiveness of sins. Anybody interested? And what a, what a beautiful way to phrase it. I mean, that, that's what we're here for. We have a Savior who forgives us of our sins. Uh, I don't remember the exact statistic, and I couldn't find it. I, I used it in my notes at some point in the past, so it's in my head, but I couldn't find it in my notes. So this is, a, this is an estimate. But the idea here is... I, the statistic is that therapists have admitted that, a, that the vast majority, many of their appointments would be vacated if their clients could understand forgiveness. That their sins are forgiven by the Lord and if they would understand how to forgive others. Forgiveness. That's what this idea of a Savior is all about. That's what He's come to do is to, is to forgive us of our sin. 
this is Advent season is not a time to just try harder to try to improve yourself. It's a time to rejoice that your sins are forgiven. Don't treat Advent like it's Lent. <laughs> this is not a time to practice penance. Advent season is not a season of denial. It's, a, it's time to rejoice. Second word I'll give you is just the word shepherds. What produces joy? Savior. Shepherds. Verse 8, and in the same region there were shepherds out in the field. And then verse 10, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Shepherds, not an appreciated bunch. Uh, kind of considered lower class, dirty, um, uh, you know, it wasn't skilled work. You know, sometimes you see that in football. They talk about the skill players. If I was an offensive lineman, I would be greatly offended by that phrase. <laughs> the skill players are the quarterback or the running back or the receivers. But, you know, those guys who play on the offensive line, you know, they're not referred to as skill players. Well, that would be sort of like the shepherd. And they weren't, they weren't skilled. They weren't educated. There was a job anybody could do. It was a dirty, nasty job, sleeping outside with the sheep. That's who the angels. That's that's who the angels appeared to. You think about it. The first ones to whom Jesus appeared following his resurrection, women. The first ones to whom angels announced the coming of Jesus, shepherds. Why these particular ones? I believe because they were less powerful. They're more vulnerable. They were socially marginalized. They were not viewed as being very important. And you know what that says to you and me? It says that we too can have a Savior. We too can have our sins forgiven. You don't have to be rich. You don't have to be righteous. You don't have to be well educated. You don't have to have attained a certain level of joy even in your own heart. To qualify, Christian minister Sam Alberry has reportedly said, Oh, come all ye faithless, joyless, and defeated. Christmas, he continues, is for the weary, for the messed up, for the broken. If your life isn't Instagrammable, Christmas is for you. And this week I saw a YouTube video of a song I hadn't heard it before this week called Come All You Unfaithful. Written by, um, performed by the group Sovereign Grace. And it's not the words or the tune of Oh Come All Ye Faithful, which you would kind of think maybe it is. Very simple words, but the video was really powerful. I need to, I guess, put a link in, in the next Friday email that we send out to the whole church. But again, the video was powerful because it, sh it, cause it showed people in different stages of um, crisis, pain, difficulty. I mean, it, it, it showed a widow, uh, an infertile couple, uh, a single mom, unmarried folks. And, and the singer sings, Come all you unfaithful. Come weak and unstable. Come know you are not alone. 
O come, barren and waiting ones, weary of praying, come, see what your God has done. Christ is born. Christ is born. Christ is born for you. O come, bitter and broken. O come, with fears unspoken. Come, taste of His perfect love. O come, guilty and hiding ones. There is no need to run. See what your God has done. Christ is born. Christ is born. Christ is born for you. Jesus Christ came for shepherds. He came for all people. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that You would enable us all to know deeply the truth from Scripture that a Savior has been born for sinners. Lord, there's not a one of us here who doesn't qualify, who doesn't need to be redeemed. And I pray that You would enable us to know that deeply and to rest in this Savior and Him alone. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Again, I mentioned that quote earlier. I'll I'll say it again. God is offering forgiveness of sins. Anybody interested? (laughs) And if you're here today and you'd like to chat with me about that, after the service, I'd love to meet up with you. Let's stand and sing as a hymn of both response and preparation for this Lord's Table, number 226, that continues to to, uh, have a singing about joy. Number 226, as with gladness, men of old.
As we prepare to receive the sacrament of the Lord's Supper, let's remain standing as we recite together the words printed there for you in your bulletin. Let us proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ has risen. Christ will come again. Christ, our Passover, has been sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast. We do not presume to come to this your table, O merciful Lord, trusting in our own goodness, but only in your righteousness credited to us. We are not worthy so much as to gather up the crumbs under your table, but you are the same Lord whose manner is always to show mercy. Grant us, therefore, O Lord, the grace to commune now with Christ by faith, that we may evermore live in Him and He in us. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. As I was listening to Pastor Brock preach, I thought, you know, joy comes from enjoying the Savior. And enjoying the Savior comes from faith. Faith is the way that we enjoy the Savior. Faith is the way that the Father extends His benefits to us through the Son. And I say that because if you were to hold your bulletin and look down at this very important question, may I come to the Lord's table? The answer is yes on two conditions. And these are the two conditions written here in this paragraph. The two conditions are one, That you are enjoying the Savior. And by that I mean that you've publicly professed your faith in Jesus Christ as the Son of God and as the Savior of sinners. And you have professed your willingness to submit to Him as Lord. And the way we do that in public is we acknowledge that faith to the elders of this congregation or any congregation that proclaims the gospel that Pastor Brock just preached and that I just said. And so if you have done that, you may come to the Lord's table and you may enjoy the gift of the body and blood of the Lord. You may enjoy the death of Christ on your behalf. But if you have not, if you have not yet publicly professed your faith and submission to Christ, I just want you to refrain and just think. And just consider, treasure these things in your heart. Think about what this Christian community believes and stands for. And then I want you to come find me or Pastor Brock or Pastor Anton after the service. And we want to talk to you more about what we believe as Christians. Now the Lord Jesus Christ has instructed us to prepare for this meal by examining our hearts through a prayer of faith. So let's take a moment to do that now. Let us pray. Father in heaven, you're a kind God. You're a merciful God. You're a God who is worthy to be enjoyed. And you know that our faith at times is weak. But you have provided here before us a gift of grace to make it strong. And so we pray, Father in heaven, that you would strengthen our faith in the good news that unto us a Savior has been born 
A son has been given. Would you strengthen our faith in that gospel now as we enjoy the benefits of belonging to Christ? And so we pray that your Holy Spirit would come and enable us to feed and drink on the grace of God as it is administered to us by the Holy Spirit through this sacred, holy meal. So enable us to fellowship with you and fellowship with one another in a most worthy manner. And we pray it together in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, before you come forward, as Pastor Brock instructed uh, from the sides of each aisle, let's take a moment uh, of silence to pause, reflect, and prepare to receive the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. Please come forward.
On the night when the Lord Jesus was betrayed, He took bread, and when He had given thanks, He broke it, and He gave it to His disciples, and He said, This is My body, which is broken for you. Take and eat in remembrance of Me. The body of Christ, take and eat. In the same way, he took the cup and he said to his disciples, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for many. Take and drink. The blood of Christ, take and drink. Amen. The gifts of God for the people of God. Let's stand together and sing the doxology. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you wholly, and may your spirit and soul and body be kept sound and blameless at the coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. Amen. this time today to stimulate your thinking. I'd love a chance to get to know you a little bit better and have some conversation. Please feel free to reach out to me in whatever way is comfortable for you. You can come by the office or I'll buy you lunch or just a cup of coffee. Of course, you can always come by on Sunday mornings and we can meet face to face. Our new service time is 9.30 a.m.